Episode 20 of ICO 41, Weekly In-Depth Analysis of Initial Coin Offerings. Hello, and welcome to Episode 20 of ICO 41. My name is Owen Scott, and I'm your podcast host. This podcast generally focuses deeply on a single ICO each week and presumes some knowledge of the basics of blockchain technology. What's a little bit different about this podcast is that we read the white papers, and we investigate the background of the team, and if we can, we spend time communicating directly with the team in question, and then we report to you in detail. As always, this podcast is not intended as investment advice, nor as information to lead to any particular action whatsoever. Our aim is to inform, not to suggest. ago, I received some helpful feedback from a listener who mentioned that he appreciated the episode where I covered two similar ICOs side by side. And if you're a listener to this podcast, you might remember it was Gimli and Unicoin, both which served the professional video gaming industry. And I compared them side by side and talked about the 14 points of analysis for each of them. My listener asked whether it would be possible if once in a while we do the same thing again. And in looking at the numbers, I have to admit that episode does continue to be one of the more successful ones in terms of numbers of listeners. And so I really think that our listener here is onto something. Now, it is true that diving pretty deeply into two ICOs is precisely twice the work as diving into just one. But I agree. Uh, this is a a useful type of format. And I would like to do it more, and I will do it this week. In fact, I did manage to find two ICOs that are relatively similar, certainly serving the same industry. In fact, I actually found several, but I can't do three. I have to limit myself. So I chose two, and those two are... Seek and gaze coin. Now, both of these projects hope to transform an industry that is very much in its infancy, virtual reality. And of course, what I mean by this is that cutting-edge technology that is slowly becoming more popular, where you strap on a special type of headset, and that is fed with uh, specific audio and visual feeds in a format that's designed to completely immerse your senses in a three-dimensional digital world. And when I referred to this technology being adopted more slowly, I mean that even though the technology has been available, widely available for more than two years now, the cost of many of these headsets and a few other factors has contributed to that slow adoption. I mean, if you take a country like the United States, it still has less in 2018 less than 1% market penetration. Now, that is starting to change somewhat, with less expensive headsets models being available. As an example, Facebook's very popular Oculus Rift can now be had for less than $400. And still, this is a rather high price point for some people. 
It could be, though, that 2018 is the year where we start to see this equipment and software used more and more because of projects like we're going to talk about today. I suppose it's not surprising that two companies would figure out a way for their industry to benefit by using blockchain technology. Seek, which, by the way, is spelled C-E-E-K, has an ICO that's coming up in a couple of weeks, and GazeCoin recently completed their ICO about a month ago. Let's start by comparing the team and the company one by one. Seek is an established company located in Miami, in Florida, and which is not only a manufacturer of what appears to be affordable VR headsets, but it's also a company that develops content, or at least provides a platform for content developers to create three-dimensional events. Now, when I say content developers, I'm talking about the likes of Lady Gaga and Gwen Stefani, the band Bastille, among others. A couple of years ago, they made headlines when the band Megadeth produced a 3D concert, and then Seek sold packages that included a ticket to the event, a headset, a DVD. The team itself for Seek is a respectable group of talented people that you might expect for an ICO of this stature. Their lead blockchain engineer is Samuel Reed, who's highly respected in the space and who's worked for IOTA and the Gibraltar Blockchain Exchange, among several other organizations, including, in fact, the Ethereum Foundation. This company, Seek, is firmly established. In fact, the Megadeth VR experience helped win both a Clio and a Grammy. The CEO has worked for years in the entertainment industry, including Universal Music, Lucasfilms, Xbox, and some others as well. Now, GazeCoin is a project that was launched some months ago, and which is much more of a traditional ICO in that it's a collection of talented people forming together to solve a problem in a specific space, in this case, virtual reality. The team here is led by a longtime producer from Australia, as well as another highly respected Ethereum developer named Baku. Actually, Baku is known in the crypto space as Baki Puba. If you research the accomplishments of Baki Puba, you'll find many. He's particularly good at auditing the security of Ethereum smart contracts for ICOs, as a matter of fact. Last month, in December of 2017, he was actively engaged in auditing over 32 ICO smart contracts. So as a developer of this kind of stature, it's sort of rare to see this in an ICO. And it's excellent to have somebody like that on the team, especially if the technology presented involves Ethereum deeply, and of course this one does. Let's talk about some of the problems that these two projects are hoping to solve. There is definitely some overlap in the ideas presented by these two companies, but I will start with GazeCoin's premise because it's a little bit narrower in focus than Seek's. GazeCoin wants to tackle the problem of monetization for virtual reality content producers as well as advertisers. In fact, even the possibility to easily transfer additional benefits and rewards to consumers of virtual reality technology. Right now, the monetization of these platforms mainly confined to hardware sales, and this just doesn't provide a lot of compensation or incentive for content producers. And this, along with those high hardware costs to begin with, it's probably why this technology has not exactly taken off like a rocket. 
As an example, one of the reasons that YouTube has so much content, believe it or not, a lot of it really is high quality, is that there's a relatively seamless and quantifiable revenue mechanism for content creators on YouTube. Now, sure, it's fraught with issues here and there, but by and large, without that incentive, the entire library that is YouTube might be confined to like skateboarding kittens, things like that. But no, we see a great deal of quality content, and we have to admit that the revenue capability of YouTube is a lot of the reason why we see it. So GazeCoin, realizing this limitation in the virtual reality space, is focused on providing a similar type of revenue mechanism. And in fact, it has a, what you might call a rather unique approach to monetization, eyeball tracking. I'm serious, really, eyeball tracking. Tracking the movement of eyeballs and then converting those movements as well as some other interesting factors like pupil dilation, repeat fixations, and dwell time directly into advertising revenue. So instead of clicking on ads to generate ad revenue like we do on YouTube, all we have to do to help out the content creators and maybe even earn some tokens for ourselves is to stare at things like I don't know, Coca-Cola bottles lying around the DJ's virtual nightclub? Now, that's the concept kind of simplified. But basically, a virtual reality consumer steps into a world, gets drawn into a specific space inside that world, and then interacts with objects in that virtual space. And through that interaction, whether it's staring or picking something up and admiring it, micropayments are issued to the relevant parties. Now, the concept's not all about entertainment. It's also about typical industries that you might imagine that would benefit a great deal from virtual reality, like real estate, medicine. In fact, you're going to see when we discuss the roadmap that a real estate application is one of the first on the list for this particular project, GazeCoin. Now, Seek's vision is very broad and impressive in that they've already achieved a great deal since they offer a headset, they've created a platform that has been used by megastars like Katy Perry and U2, Lady Gaga, and they have big plans to build state-of-the-art studios where big names can create entertainment experiences using the Seek platform and presumably elements of the blockchain to provide an organized ecosystem. In fact, the blockchain use case here with Seek seems to be mainly around the governance of the system. It uses a delegated proof of stake with trusted nodes. There are so-called proposer nodes and validator nodes and voters. This appears to me to be a sort of semi-private consortium-based blockchain. The white paper calls out for 100 validator nodes. So to me, this is very similar to those delegated proof of authority. What's a little interesting in this model, which elicited a few questions on the Telegram channel, is the concept of a governor. This is an elected official that has the ability to add or remove members of the blockchain voting congress. 
That sort of power sometimes raises eyebrows in the ICO world, and this time was no exception, at least on the Telegram channel. This concept goes a little bit further with a lieutenant governor and a city manager and witnesses. So anyway, someone over there at Seek has a strong sense of organizational sensibility, as it were. Clever feature of this platform is the inclusion of the so-called Seek pets, which are virtual domestic animals that can follow you around as you wander in the virtual realms provided by Seek. I guess we shouldn't be too surprised to find more of these kinds of things in white papers, considering the unbelievable success of Ethereum's crypto kitties. Let's talk about those white papers in a little more detail. The Gaze white paper is what you would expect in a mainly technical ICO. There's an API that'll be used by developers to make use of the monetization engine. There were a few interesting things about this white paper that were rather unique, such as the copyright features and tracking. One of the issues with the entertainment space, particularly DJs and various remixes, is keeping track of original copyright. Now this goes beyond just music. It also exists in games, where there are in-game objects such as weapons and skins and avatars. All of these things are often based on copyrighted material. So the Gaze platform plans to track all of this and submit micropayments to all rights holders along this, if you will, creative supply chain. Now, you might say that this gets a little bit excessive. For instance, let's talk about one use case. An avatar, let's say, is purchased in a game. No special attributes. But then the player of the game decides to select a specific move or an attribute available and then add it to the avatar. So the addition of this attribute to this avatar, which has no special attributes to begin with, then forges a unique coin that is tied to that avatar and character in its new form. And then if this character goes on, represented by this avatar, this new minted avatar, somehow earns money or tokens, those tokens flow back to the appropriate segments of the original content creators in terms of copyright. So the creator of the avatar, original avatar, would get one payment, while the inventor of the attribute might get another. I mean, this is pretty interesting stuff. It's a little bit complicated, but I think it's probably the handiwork of Baki Puba, who is definitely known... Uh, in Ethereum for his love of solving these sort of complex programmatic solutions. I thought that was pretty interesting. Another interesting aspect of this white paper is a so-called ecosystem kickstart. 10% of the tokens will be allocated to what's called a user growth pool. Now what this does is pay content creators even when there's no advertiser. I personally think this is a pretty smart move. Because the authors are recognizing the reality of this really early industry they're in, sometimes advertisers, they're going to be reluctant to advertise on what you might call an unproven platform. But that lack of interest will de-incentivize the people who could prove the advertising channel in the first place. So this fund that they're proposing here, this 10%, sort of mitigates that chicken and egg issue to some extent. Now, the majority of the Seek white paper is devoted to extolling the virtues of their existing platform, and that's no small thing. This company has gone a long way to solving some of the problems with virtual reality in that the manufacturers of gear, 
that is used to consume the content very often provides a sort of proprietary impediment to viewing content that was designed for other hardware. I think this is another major reason why this industry hasn't grown. So Seek has addressed this with, or is planning to address this with what is known as OpenXR, which is sort of an agnostic layer between the proprietary content creation platforms, like, for instance, the Epic Games Unreal Engine, or Unity, or WebVR, and this agnostic layer interfaces nicely with the devices themselves. So examples of that would be the Seek headset, Oculus, Daydream, or Gear VR. So this open XR technology is really going to be needed for this industry to grow. And there are some pretty big numbers around this industry in terms of growth and ultimate revenue. According to the white paper, a Citibank report projects sales of virtual reality products and services to reach a trillion dollars by 2035. Now, I suppose that's a long way off the way things move these days, so maybe it's easy to predict such a market that far away. I believe that there's going to have to be some definite changes before we see those kinds of numbers in this industry. And... If you read the Seek white paper, you'll see that they believe they have some answers to some of those problems that'll help get the industry where it wants to go. Now, as I mentioned before, one of the most important aspects of this Seek white paper deals with governance. Now, in addition to the various administrative actors that I mentioned before, there's actually something called a blockchain congress. Maybe that's a poor choice of words considering the approval rating of our distinguished legislative masters right now here in the U.S., but... In this case, there is an executive committee that's made up of key members of Creek VR Incorporated. And that's the company that's running this show. And that executive committee has corporate governance over the elected officials, like the Blockchain Congress itself, the election voters, and so forth. And you know, since Seek has invited comparison with all this political lingo, I, I just can't resist the temptation for an analogy here. When I read this white paper, I think in terms of the governance mechanism and so forth, I think we're kind of looking at something you might describe as a somewhat democratic state with a very, very strong executive branch. Maybe like, I don't know, Rome a few decades after Julius crossed the Rubicon? In any case... One last thing I think is worth mentioning from the white paper is this concept of a celebrity mint. Now, this is where performers and other content creators can create a custom coin just for an event, or as the case may be, even for a specific item. This is actually an interesting concept because it allows for a very limited edition of something that might instantly be tradable and could rise in value. Again, Think back to CryptoKitties, where I think the top five cats have changed hands to the tune of over $400,000. Another example, and this one is directly from the white paper, a game like, say, Clash of Clans might create gems inside of the Seek virtual reality platform where gems can be bought and sold, used inside the game, and attached to a specific token for those gems. Now, since the platform's using Ethereum, 
It's absolutely doable and can be accomplished with the right kind of smart contracts in place. Let's talk about these respective tokens and their sales. So for Gaze, the sale concluded about a month ago. It's kind of an interesting story here. This Gaze sale got caught up in this unusual run-up of Ethereum. When I say unusual, I mean a very, very short timeline. This occurred back in December, if you remember. While Bitcoin was sort of languishing around, but Ethereum was screaming. From the time the sale started, from the time, which was only a few weeks, from the time that the sale closed, the price of Ethereum pretty much doubled. So if you go to the exchange that Gaze is now listed on, which is Ether Delta, you'll see, in fact, that the value of the Gaze coin has now fallen to about half of what most people bought it for during the sale and the pre-sale. This is something that I think everyone should keep in mind when they're considering joining a given sale. It's by no means guaranteed that a token will immediately appreciate in value when it hits the exchange. In fact, the opposite can occur. We've seen this before. All it takes is more people selling on that exchange than people buying. Obviously, the price will simply go down. This happened in this case. Some people might imagine that this is a buying opportunity. Of course, since this podcast doesn't provide investment advice, we have nothing more to say about that than the usual, which is drop into Telegram, read the white paper, and make whatever decision you like or no decision at all. Let's talk a few minutes about this token, this Gaze token, GZE. It's an ERC-20 Ethereum token. The soft cap of $2 million was reached pretty quickly during the sale, but the hard cap of $35 million was not nearly approached. With the current price of Ethereum coming in at about $1,200 right now, by today's value, the sale generated around $9.5 million. Not chump change, not bad, but not the $35 million that they were perhaps hoping for. We'll be able to talk a little bit more about what that means when we talk about the roadmap. Now, the Seek pre-sale private phase with a soft cap of a million dollars ended on January 12th. The private sale was priced at 10 cents US dollars per Seek token in Ethereum, interestingly enough, with a bonus of 30% for participating. The pre-sale token begins on February 5th, 2018, and is open to all investors anywhere, but if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to be an accredited investor. The first week of that sale provides a 30% bonus, and the second week of that sale provides a 20% bonus. The second week ends on February 18th. The public sale starts on February 19th and ends on February 25th. The hard cap for that public sale is a pretty ambitious $100 million. Now, there's a lot of people questioning that hard cap as excessive on the Telegram channel, and the response is generally, hey, have a look at our white paper. We're building some expensive stuff. Take a look at those Seek Studios and those Micro Studios and such. The minimum amount of the public sale is going to be $250. The entire world is invited, but again, U.S. investors must be accredited, even in the public sale. The price for the first week of the public sale is 25 cents per token, and then the second week it jumps to 50%, 50 cents. And this is all quoted in dollars, but in terms of Ethereum. 
The token name and the symbol is the same, Seek, C-E-E-K. It's also an Ethereum ERC-20 token. There will be only one billion tokens ever created. I like that. Only one billion. 10% will be locked for three years for future reserves, 50% for the private and public sales, 20% goes to the company and early contributors and advisors, and 20% will be reserved to incentivize the development community. Now, this is a different graph entirely from the use of the proceeds of the sale. That's cut up like this, 25% going to content and licenses, 25% for marketing and business development, 10% for operations, 10% for legal, 5% contingency, and 25% for seek research and development. It seems as though the blockchain will be developed as part of the Seek Foundation R&D and the content and licenses 25% will go partially toward building the studios. I actually asked for clarification about that detail on Telegram. I didn't really get an answer, but I'll update the blog post if I do get an answer. Let's talk about roadmaps. For GazeCoin, the roadmap was tied very strongly to the amount raised. In fact, it really wasn't even a timeline in terms of time. It was in terms of money. So if you take the current value of Ethereum right now at the moment, comes in at around 9.6 million for the total raise. Now, in terms of the roadmap, that would get them very easily through the $2 million Gaze Coin API and wallet milestone. And if you read the white paper and look at some of the screenshots, it looks like a pretty functional piece of software. And the fact that the API would be stood up then and operational is probably a good thing. Also reflecting the sort of technical nature of these developers and this team. This roadmap also takes them very easily through the $5 million milestone, which was a virtual and augmented real estate platform and a social network engine. It does, however, fall a few million short of the $12 million milestone of a, quote, procedural engine driving automated virtual world generation, and needless to say, pretty far short of some interesting and esoteric goals, which were much higher, such as choose your own adventure story engine and the mixed reality platform and something called the epic mixed reality game which definitely sounds epic, but might be in the distant future if it's in fact going to be organically grown. There's nothing wrong with starting with some seed money, though, I suppose. In the case, $10 million, not chump change again, maybe growing the rest. I asked on Telegram how the team intended to handle these sort of milestones, but my questions weren't answered. And again, I'll post a follow-up if I get an answer, of course. The Seek roadmap started back in 2016 with the sale of 50,000 VR bundles. That was the Megadeth concert. As well as the partnerships with Universal Music and Mobile Platform for Unity. The timeline also mentioned some patents that were awarded with the patent numbers. And in 2017, there were partnerships with Apple and Amazon and Target. These are all business growth milestones that really have nothing to do with the blockchain per se. Obviously, that came as an idea a little bit later. In 2018, we're looking at smart contracts being developed in Q1, and then the Seek VR 360 Studios being built in the second quarter, and a virtual reality exchange in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter of 2018, Seek is hoping to release the software development kit. It's kind of interesting that that's the sort of opposite of gaze, where the very first step is the API in the wallet. 
it just shows you that there's a difference in the sort of approach to the ICO and to the use of the proceeds. I'd like to talk just briefly about SEC compliance because it is kind of interesting. Again, just this week, both the chairman of the SEC and the chairman now of the Commodities Futures Trading Commission co-wrote an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal, as well as issuing a joint statement by both of them, yet again expressing more concern over this space. What interests me here is that you'll notice if you look into this that both of these ICOs are following a model that has become quite common these days. So for U.S. investors, it's a SAFT agreement, Simple Agreement of Future Tokens, which was pioneered, if you remember, by Protocol Labs and the Filecoin ICO. And for both ICOs, the U.S. investment is restricted entirely to accredited investors. Now, accredited investors are people who essentially can afford to lose money in a sketchy investment. That's really what it's... uh, designed to accomplish. Although there are plenty of people, especially if you join some of these interesting Telegram channels, that believe that the concept of the accredited investor is yet another way to exclude smaller investors. Going all the way back to venture capital, going all the way back to these IPOs and so forth. In any case, no matter what you believe, the point is This model, where U.S. investors are restricted to accredited and the rest of the world is more or less open. Now, the SAFT agreement model uses that word future, as we mentioned, which, if I'm not mistaken, is designed to allow the company to not need a specific network, blockchain network, in place. Hence the use of the U-word future. At the time of the sale, there's no token released yet, and there's Obviously, no blockchain yet. Now, my curiosity, my question, I think, is whether this mechanism, if it's codified in a signed agreement with an accredited investor, does this somehow mitigate the prong of the Howey test that requires that a network be up and running? Because if you recall, the basis of some of these class action lawsuits against some of these ICOs is that there was no platform in place when the sale took place, and therefore the quote solely on the efforts of others clause of the Howey could be applied. I'm kind of curious as whether the SAFT sort of removes or otherwise mitigates that requirement. Now there's other people with what I suppose is a lot of regulation knowledge that have opinion pieces out there, that if your ICO is collecting money to build something, in the case of Seek, it would be the studios and the micro studios, then your ICO is by default a security. And you would expect, perhaps, that Seek would be registering for an exemption with the SEC to a Schedule D, maybe, or a Schedule S for the foreign sale, like Protocol Labs did. It's actually a very interesting question, and my intention is to do a little bit more research and really reach out to some people that I know that might be able to shed a little bit more light on this uh, sort of mechanism. Uh, it, I'm continuing to be fascinated by all parts of this. If you drop into the Telegram channels of either ICO, you'll see that they're 
both very careful in responding to speculative questions, as of course they should be. I feel like the way that these ICOs are being released now is falling into a sort of self-governing, SAFT-based mechanism. And I haven't heard the chairman of the SEC or anyone else address that very narrow part of the industry. I might actually, if I can, reach out to the chairman of the SEC and simply ask him what he thinks about this model. It'd be very interesting. I definitely will give it a shot. Great if I get a reply. Let's talk about the response from the community. Gaze. So the Gaze coin team did the usual thing. Bitcoin talk, initial announcement in September. Then, of course, like a lot, they switched over to a new thread in October. This announcement thread uh, received a pretty decent response. Not a lot of controversy, just, you know, mild interest from some senior members and so forth. There's about five pages of discussion. The thread sort of died down after the sale. The Telegram channel has about 900 members. They've certainly done a good job with uh, various videos from the CTO, from the CEO, articles on Medium, interviews, explaining what they're doing. There's a GitHub repository as well. So for GazeCoin, the interaction with the community is really right along the lines of what we would expect in a traditional sort of ICO that we've seen as if there is such a thing in such an evolving market. But nevertheless, this is right along the lines of what you might expect. The Seek approach is somewhat different. No announcement at all on Bitcoin Talk as far as I can see. There's there's other announcements from other virtual reality platforms uh, on Bitcoin Talk. I couldn't do more than two this week, but nothing from Seek. Uh, no announcement on Reddit that I could see. Not even a thread of Reddit about the ICO itself. There is a Slack channel, uh, but the link is expired, so I'm presuming that they switched over to Telegram. They have uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channels. On Instagram, they have about 5,700 followers. On Twitter, they have about 4,400. Obviously, this is all due to their company, not so much the ICO, clearly. The 2,000 people on the Telegram channel, and the Telegram channel is about the ICO. I doubt they had a Telegram channel before they considered the ICO. They've hired a marketing company to man their Telegram channel. And based on the tone in the Telegram channel and some of the elements of the white paper, my feeling with respect to how they engage with the community is that this is a very successful company that wants to raise money to fund some growth. It's not terribly focused on blockchain technology per se in and of itself, maybe more in the context of a means to an end, which is to raise money to fund operations and to grow. In fact, if you think back, if you happen to be a listener, back to that Unicoin versus Gimli project, it's very similar, right? Unicoin, established Mark Cuban profile company, this and that, and then Gimli, pure blockchain startup focused on technology. Sort of similar here in a way. In this way, I think it seems to me to be another case of an existing company that's planning to leverage the blockchain as a way to raise funds to develop a larger vision. I'm not completely convinced this is a bad thing, even if you're mainly interested in the value of the token itself. If the funds from the sale allow Seek to construct the various studios that they planned, the company benefits, then the usage of the token will rise, and thus the value, presumably. 
So let's talk about some final takeaways here. For Gaze, my final takeaway is that this is certainly an interesting project that attempts to solve a persistent problem in the VR space around compensation and advertising. In what can only be described as a unique way, eyeball tracking. I feel like they might have a ways to go in terms of the VR worlds that they've created to support all of this. Um, as an example, I, I visited their Dream Channel virtual reality uh, platform, and I found some content, I guess you could say, um, girls in bikinis firing 50 caliber rifles, a pretty hip teenager from Australia who was one amazingly skilled skateboarder, uh, not a huge amount otherwise, but hey, they just got an infusion of about $10 million, so I should think that that should help that channel grow and their ideas should grow. And definitely something to look into if you're interested in participating through an ICO or through a token now in the virtual reality space. For Seek, uh, my takeaway is that in terms of success, pure success, there's no question that the company is going to be successful because they already are. So if you're interested in the ICO as a way to invest in a company's success, well, maybe this is what you're looking for. I have little doubt that the company is going to be one of the major players in the virtual reality space as we move through the next few years. It'll certainly be interesting to see how successful the sale is without a great deal of involvement in the crypto community. You know what? It could be that they just don't need it. You know, while I was on the Telegram channel, there was a few people complaining loudly about Nucleus Vision. Uh, it's a different ICO from Harvard, totally different Nothing to do with virtual reality, but what they were complaining about was that there were 60,000 Telegram members in anticipation of their ICO. The pre-sale was so successful that they canceled the public sale altogether, which left about 50,000 disappointed people. And of course, this pre-sale was snapped up by what you might call whales. That is perhaps private equity firms, hedge funds, venture capitals, who knows? So here again, we see a trend in the ICO market, kind of interesting, with the use of the SAFT and the accredited investor limitations, where companies are successfully raising tens of millions of dollars without the hassle of a public sale. Now, the unfortunate part of this, of course, is that once again, the smaller investors are being shut out. If you're interested in seeing some of the sentiment expressed drop into that Nuclear Vision Telegram channel, you'll hear some conversation around that. Definitely some interesting ideas floating around there. In terms of Seek, definitely worth a look if you're considering the virtual reality space, if you have an interest in it, if you have an interest in somehow allocating some of your cryptocurrency into different vertical markets, uh, Seek and Gazecoin both might be something interesting to look at. Now it so happens that we have about one minute left and I do want to follow up from last week's episode, which was masternodes, and point out that some of those masternode coins that I mentioned last week, and in fact, a lot of masternode coins in general, have fallen since I cut that episode about 50%. Very, very important that you understand that this is cryptocurrency and anything can happen. There is probably not many other investment vehicles 
that are quite as unpredictable as cryptocurrency. Just keep that in mind. Okay, that's it for this week. Have a great week. Talk to you next week. Thank